0: Thank you, Andy. Thank you. It is very bright up here. I'd forgotten just how bright this is. Blinding. There we go. Um, I, I have to be honest, I am, I'm actually really quite excited about tonight. Are you excited? Yes. Both of you. Good. Um, I'll tell you why I'm excited, because uh, for a little while, God has been talking to me. Oh, I, I, Honestly, you're going uh, to hate me, but I find at the moment I cannot get God to shut up. Most of us the other way around. We want God to be talking to us. I can't get God to shut up. And every time I lay down and try to not think about anything, God starts interrupting my, my thought processes. And I'm, I'm both pumped and excited about this evening and also slightly terrified uh, because I have this horrible feeling that God wants to do something. He wants to do something special in you guys, in us, in church. Does that not sound cool? That was none of you. So we're going backwards. So um, look, I was sitting at my desk just this afternoon, uh, and I was just writing a few notes. I've written one side of notes. That's all I've written. I don't really want to talk a talk, as it were. I just want to speak from my heart, if I may. Um, But I'm sitting at my desk, and I've got a glass of milk uh, just to keep me company. That's what I'm allowed to drink these days. um, one of our cats, uh, called Ziva, named after a famous Israeli assassin, but that's another story, um, walks across my desk and she, she gets her head to the tip of the glass and starts sniffing. It's milk. I mean, come on. Uh, and she literally manages to... I don't know how they do that. They, they smallen their head. That's not even the right word, is it? But the, she manages to get her head just inside the glass. She's not yet licking my milk. She's pushing her head further and further into this little tumbler. And I hear myself just saying, Ziva. And immediately she pulls her head out. She recognised my voice. And immediately she knew, I'm going to get told off if I carry on and lick the milk. So she immediately retracted her head. And it was a bit like that for this afternoon, because the very first thing I wrote in my notes was, uh, OK, God, um, what do you want me to do? And immediately God said, uh, "Wrong. Yes, of course, God. Sorry. Not about me. Not about what I want. You know. Not about what you know. Uh, you want me to do. Sorry, God. Okay. What do you want me to do then? Uh, wrong again. Right. Okay. Of course, God. Sorry. What is it that you want to do? Ah. Now we're on the same page. Um, and to Timothy. And, and look, there's no powerpoints." There's no uh, fancy gimmicks. I wanted this evening to be really clean. There's only about 30 or so of us here. I wanted it to be really clean and simple, and I hope that I don't talk for too long, because actually what I really, really, really want is for God to speak to your hearts right now, even as I'm talking right now, for God to be speaking to you. Do you know what? I think sometimes we forget God is an amazing God. He created the universe in six days. I looked at a picture of my daughter's eyeball the other day. I took a really close-up photograph. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't really in her face. I took a photograph of her eyeball. The eye is amazing. What an amazing miracle of creation that is. And that's just one tiny little part of who we are. God has made us to be wonderful machines, even when they go wrong. And at the moment, I've got lots of things going wrong in my machine. But nevertheless, God made me, and we are wonderful in God's eyes. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scriptures God breathed good for teaching, correcting, rebuking and instructing. Well we like it don't we when we read verses that say God loves you and God will look after you and he'll take away all your fear and all those sort of nice things. But actually I think possibly tonight there is also a bit of a rebuke coming. So if you're expecting a really nice, cozy talk, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm just not going to give that to you tonight because I think I'm going to say what I think is on God's heart. And sometimes that's not always easy. But this is holy ground where we are. And if it's holy ground, it means it's a safe place. This is a safe place. You can, If there's anywhere you can go to trust God It's when there are other Christians nearby, not the physical building, not this actual stage. Who cares about the stage? If you are meeting with Christians, that is holy ground. It's a safe place for God to intervene in your lives, for God to pervade and invade your lives. But you know what? He needs your permission. God will never force himself upon you. He wants your invitation. Are you prepared to give it tonight? Because, you see, I think there's only two groups of us here tonight. Those people who want to hear God speak directly into their lives, or people who want to hear God and speak directly into somebody else's life. Please, let's be expectant. We are in church to hear God, to have a relationship with him. It's not to hear Mark drone on. My words should be coming less and less and God's conscience and heartbeat should be coming more and more in each and every one of us. Andy asked me to do this talk. uh, It was only on Tuesday night. (laughs) Thanks for the warning. It's only the second time in a row he's given me less than five days warning. (laughs) I am lastminute.com. One of us is. Both of us are maybe. Um, And uh, the message arrived. Mm in the middle of uh, our Oikos group, our little small group meeting. Um, and uh, I sort of, I was sitting beside Dave, and I kind of went, oh. <laughs> it was just the timing. And I thought, really? You know, I mean, I'm at Oikos group tonight. I know I've got commitments tomorrow night in school. Thursday, I'll be tired. Friday, who does anything on a Friday? Can't remember what the weekend is. Don't know what that's looking like. So I don't really have time. Um, and somebody in our Oikos group, clearly spotted my face sort of going, oh. Uh, and uh, they said, what is it? And I said, well, it's just Andy, wants, he, he's he's desperate. I mean, clearly, here I am, you're clearly desperate. He's desperate to find somebody stupid enough to want to uh, talk on a Sunday night. And um, so I said, yes, and, and it's on Revelation again, you know, one of those one of those churches where, let's be honest, I don't know if you've read... Oh, by the way, it's not about Philadelphia. The, the notes this week said it was going to be in Philadelphia. That's... If you're expecting cream cheese, that's not happening. It's, uh, it's a different uh, church in Revelation 3. Uh, the church to Sardis. Uh, and Sam, sa- he just said two words. He just said two words because he, he was clearly scan reading it. We were all paying attention very, very well in our weakest group, weren't we, on that Tuesday. Uh, and Sam just said, wake up. And I was hooked. And immediately I knew, yeah, I'm doing that gig. Because honestly, people, genuinely, 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 I think we all need to wake up a wee bit. We have an amazing God on our side. He's giving us diamonds, and sometimes we just, we're using them like they're marbles. In Mark 6, another chapter that God is really annoying me with, Uh, by talking to me it's uh it's where Jesus returns to Nazareth and he says oh there was so much lack of faith he could do no miracles all he could do was healing well I'd quite like to have that situation wouldn't you have you got anything that you need healing for tonight I'm just going to be honest I don't have faith for healing that's not my thing just doesn't. God hasn't given me a gift of faith. He hasn't given me a gift of healing. He doesn't shut up. That's a different matter. But he hasn't given me the gift of healing. But you know what? Maybe tonight God wants to intervene in your life physically. Why not? Let's be expectant. Let's believe that God might want to just do something really weird. In fact, I hadn't planned to say this, but when I was mm, seventeen, yeah, seventeen, uh, I uh, I had a girl friend, not a girlfriend, a friend who was a girl um her name was jenny and uh she was born blind in one eye and uh myself and probably i don't know 12 others we gathered around her and we prayed for 15 minutes and nothing happened so of course after 15 minutes what do you, do? you just stop praying because yeah if god can't do a miracle in 15 minutes he's clearly not going to do it so you just stop isn't that right? Uh, except the person who was sort of leading the meeting said, no, I think, guys, we should just pray for longer. So I think we prayed, I don't know how much longer. We prayed for a lot longer. And guess what? It's still, nothing happened. So you just start losing faith and you're giving up. And then all of, the, all of a sudden, we'd all stopped and given up. And Jesus said, I've got my sight. I can see. That was, actually, it wasn't the first miracle I ever saw, but it was pretty close. Um, that was a miracle, I saw a miracle and it had nothing to do with me and my faith or any of the other people's faith. That was God revealing his faithfulness. God can do healing because he is God the healer, Jehovah Rophe, God the healer, not because of our faith. But you know what? He still needs our permission. He's not going to heal people unless you reach out and risk not being healed. You've got to try. Got to be brave. Got to, stick your, got to you know, stick your hands out and say, Yes, God, I want this. And just because it doesn't happen the first time doesn't mean it's not going to happen the second time. So, God, I think, wants all of us. He wants every little bit of us. Uh, there's a Hebrew word for God called Elkanah. And it means, I didn't know this until today, it means, well, I knew it meant a consuming fire, but I didn't know it meant jealous. In Hebrew, it's the same word for jealousy and consuming fire. God is a jealous God. He's a consuming fire, and he wants all of us. Not just the Sunday mark, or the Sunday Sam, or the Sunday Andy. He wants us on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Every day of the week, God wants us. So listen, that's just by way of introduction, actually. I'm really sorry. I will get onto this Revelation 3 bit in just a second. Here we go. Uh, Look, there's six verses, and they're all really hard. Revelation is... Undoubtedly the hardest book in the Bible to interpret and to understand. Uh, It's written in really poor Greek. I I just know that. Don't don't, you'll just have to trust me in that. It's really poorly written Greek. The person who wrote it was not the same John that wrote the gospel, because he could write good Greek. This writer writes poor Greek. So you've got lots of imagery and allergies and pictures that are hard to understand, and then it might even be interpreted wrong because the Greek is poor. So I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm not going to preach on these six. That's a bit harsh. Let me just say that again. I know your deeds. He's talking to a whole church, by the way, not an individual. Uh, Although, again, the Greek is wrong because it's written in the singular, but we know he's talking to the whole church. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but really you are dead. Wake up! Wake up! Strengthen what remains and what is about to die. Really? again, That's a bit harsh. God, about to die? For I have not found your deeds complete. They are unfinished. Don't lose hope. God is still God. Just because he's not answered your prayers the first time doesn't mean he won't answer your prayers the next time. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. James 1.22 says, you know, don't be like the man who looks in a mirror and then forgets what he looks like. Read the word and remember it and obey. It's really quite simple but we do like to have sometimes convenient Christianity and we cherry-pick the verses that we like to read and speak over ourselves and we conveniently forget the passages that might challenge us a bit too much. But this is saying, remember what you have heard and received, obey it and repent. If you do not wake up, then I will come like a thief in the night and you will not know at what time I will come. Okay, those are the three easy verses. So you can imagine what the other three are. I'm not going to go there. So let me tell you a little bit about this city. I made a few notes about that as well, actually. So Sardis um, was, it was a city on a hill uh, and um, it was uh, considered impregnable. Lots of fortifications around it, built on a spur. So it had sheer cliff faces, you know, on, on lots of sides. Nobody thought it could be conquered. Actually, it was most famous nearly 3,000 years ago when one of its kings uh, was a guy called uh, Croesus or Crucis. Now, some of you might have heard the the metaphor as rich as Crucis. In fact, in Greek, the word gold was named after this man because he was so filthy rich. Crucis is where we get crucible, a crucible of gold. He was obscenely rich. Lots of gold mines, lots of silver mines. Uh, they invented the dyeing of wool. They were a major trading center. They became really, really filthy rich. The problem is money can sometimes dull our senses. And they became degenerate. And they became cocky and arrogant. And just when they thought they could be no better, uh, they stopped watching. They didn't put guards on the walls, and somebody found a way in, and they destroyed the city. And that was two thousand seven hundred years ago. It took them two hundred years to rebuild up their wealth again. So we're now two thousand five hundred BC, and Croesus is the king, and uh, again he's obscenely wealthy, has conquered everywhere, uh, and the other big up-and-coming ruler was a guy called Cyrus, Cyrus the Persian. And uh, he thought, oh, I I could maybe go to war with him. And uh, he consulted what was called the Oracle at Delphi, a very well-known seer, not Christian, uh, who would prophesy over people. And that seer said, um, if you go to war, an empire will be destroyed. So, Troisus thought, right, great, I'm going to go off and uh, kill Cyrus and claim his kingdom. What he didn't realize, of course, was It was his own empire that was going to be defeated. So, third time lucky, there we go. Where was I? So, um, his arrogance made uh, the city fall again into rack and ruin. Uh, Money was deceiving. They thought that that could overcome all the stresses of the world. But actually, all it did was bring his own downfall. So there were a few words in there, just four words, I think, that I'm going to tease out. Wake up, come alive. So when John was writing to this church in about the year 90 AD, he knew the history of the city. He knew that they had forgotten to look after the city or the church. They didn't have the watchman on the walls. If a city or a church is not doesn't have people on watch looking out, it's going to come under attack. Who are the watchmen for our church? Well, it's probably the people who are praying. You may or may not know it, but there are people in our church who are regularly praying. Maybe not every day, but regularly praying for the church, looking out for them. We need to support them, because if those watchmen aren't there maybe our church our city will have the same fate strengthen what remains and is about to die for uh, the plans that god has for you are not over they're unfinished works do you remember some of you will have been here when i i brought a, a different prophetic word to the church from haggai and it said give careful thought to your ways keep watch wake up look around Go up into the mountains and bring down the timber and build my house. And I couldn't help but feel when I was reading this little passage in Revelation 3 that it just reminded me all about that same prophetic word. We need to find our mountains, climb them, reach out to God, and bring back down that timber. And I tried to explain the mountain. It's not a physical place. It's just anywhere where you think you can meet with God. Now, that might be tonight on a Sunday night. It might be on a Sunday morning. It might be in your small group. It might be whilst you're doing the dishes at home and you've got time to think and pray. I don't know. It doesn't matter where it is. But find your mountain. Learn how to climb it and bring back down some timber, some gifts, some words of God, some prophetic word. At least five of you this evening were reading your Bible when we were doing worship. What was God saying to you? Share it. Maybe that is a word that we all need to hear. There was a different five or six of you who had also taken your shoes off. Why? Why bother taking your shoes off? If you were showing respect and wanting, and they were on their, most of those five or six were on their knees, four of them, four people this evening on their knees. Why were you on your knees? Why bother? If you were on your knees, maybe it's because you wanted to hear from God and you were prostrating yourself to give God permission to talk. In which case, share. Tell us what God was saying to you. Because maybe it's not just for you in your life, but maybe it's for all of us in all of our lives. Jeremiah 29 talks about, um, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And again, I have a horrible feeling that for many of us here, we've lost hope. And we're not confident that actually God is still on our side and is going to give us a future and a hope. Oh, well, everybody else is getting these blessings. He's not going to give me that. I'm not going to be having a good income. I'm not going to have that wife. I'm not going to be able to do those activities. Those are just enemy lies, and we've got to recognize them for what they are. That does not sound like the voice of God. God is a good God. Taste and see that God is good. God knows what he's doing. If he doesn't know what he's doing, then he's not God. Let's all just go home. So God is good and he knows what he's doing. And he wants us to live life and to enjoy it. He's given us good things for us to enjoy. That doesn't mean it's all going to be rosy. There are going to be problems in our lives. Of course there are. But if we've lost sight of the fact that God wants to be in our lives and to speak to us, then We really have become like Theoden. Is anyone a fan of Lord of the Rings? Two of us, three of us, there we go. Um, The second film is called The Two Towers. Uh, And you'll probably, uh, if you've watched the film, you'll know that King Theoden is very old, but he looks even older. And his face is covered in wrinkles. And there's his uh, king... His main servant is a guy called Wormtongue. And all Wormtongue does is speak lies into his ear. And he's become old before his time. And he's decrepit. And he's no longer really the king of his men. And he's feeble. And he can't even get out of his chair. Well, I do not it wasn't me, but I don't mind telling you there was someone in my life and I felt that they were King Theoden. They had been listening to the lies of Wormtongue for too long. And they needed to realize that those lies were preventing them from stepping out and doing what God's called them to do. Uh, and I'm going to just cut you know, to the end of that little story and say that person is slowly beginning to realize who they are in God and they are starting a new season. They are realizing for the first time that they still have worth, that they can do something for God, that God can still use them, that they can still hear God. Imagine if the enemy convinces you, you can't hear God. How worthless would you then be? Right here, right now, tonight, either God probably wants to speak to you to encourage you, or he wants to give you some encouragement that you can bless somebody else with. It's one or the other. Because if it's neither of those, why are you even here? God wants to speak to all of us. And he can do it all at the same time as well. He's clever like that. I don't know how, but he is, he does. Um, last verse, uh, 1 Peter 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 10 says this. God has given you gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Watch. Every single child in my school does that most days. I'm indoctrinating my children to know and expect and to believe that God has given them gifts. It's a little bit subversive, (laughs) but I think I'm getting away with it. God has given you gifts. Do you know what your gifts are? Because if you don't know what your gifts are, that makes me cross just being honest, it really does. If you don't know what your gifts are, you need to be hounding God and saying, God, you better start speaking to me soon, otherwise that wretched mark's going to be on my case. What are your gifts? Find out what your gifts are. It doesn't have to be tonight. But it's going to be soon. Find out what your gifts are and start using them. Because you know what? As a church, we need your gifts. We need everybody to be pulling in the same direction. We need everybody to be sharing their gifts. Now, it could be just fruits of the Spirit. If you've got a gift of hospitality, then invite me around for dinner. Or it could be the gift of words of knowledge. Some of you are reading your Bible tonight. Why are you not sharing that? Chances are, if God has shared a verse with you or a scripture, it's because he wants you to share it for somebody else. Nine times out of ten, when God gives me scriptures, they are for me. But they're also for the wider body to build up and to edify and to encourage Lastly, uh, life is a spiritual battle, isn't it? So we've got to be aware that the enemy will do anything to trick you into being ineffective. Oh, well, I'm not sharing that word because, you know, I'm too tired. In fact, actually, tell you what. This time last week, um, my wife and I, we drove 60 miles to go to a different church. Don't worry, Andy, we're not leaving. Oh, he's gone. Oh, he's left. (laughs) Um, we drove 60 miles away, didn't we, to go to another church? Uh, just for the hoax, I think, really. Just for, you know, there was no church meeting, so let's go somewhere else. Blow me down. Didn't God start talking to me? Yabbering on and saying, Mark, I want you to go and pray for that person. No, I'm not doing that, God. And I'm just being honest, I did disobey. I just didn't go and pray for her. I felt God gave me a word to go and share for someone. And I thought, I can't do that. I'm in a stranger's church. Nobody knows me. Uh, she doesn't know me. They all think I'm a completely wacko. It could be wrong. And I convinced myself not to do it. So I chickened out and I ran away. Well, do you know what? God is good enough and big enough. What he'll do is he'll just find somebody else to be obedient and to go and pray that prophecy over that, over that uh, lady. So I did come away feeling a little bit sheepish. But God's a God of second chances. And I know he's still going to trust me the next time. And if you dare come to the front, I can always promise you God is going to speak to me for you. I just know that that's who God is. That's the sort of person he is. It's really annoying at the moment. I wish he wouldn't. And I'm terrified of praying at the moment because for me, so God's answering prayers that I pray for other people. He's not answering my prayers. I'm not answering the prayers for me. Do you know why? Because I'm not praying them. I'm not praying for me at the moment because I'm scared God won't answer them and I'm terrified that he will. I've got prayers and visions and dreams and prophetic words hanging over my life and uh, I am terrified about praying into them because I think if I do, God will answer them and I don't feel ready. The problem is I'm never going to be ready. Ready? That's just my personality. It's probably human nature. Nobody ever really feels ready. Well, there probably are a few, but I'm definitely not one of them. I don't feel I'm ever going to be ready or ever be good enough for God to use me. Wait a minute. See what I said earlier? That's just another one of those lies. It's just what the enemy wants to use to stop us being effective. And we just need to stop it. So this battle that we're in, it's a spiritual battle. The enemy will use lies to stop you being effective. But our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. It's these spiritual rulers, and that's why we need to pray, and that's why we need safe places like this, because God can interrupt and intervene and invade your lives only if you give him permission, every single one of us. And it doesn't matter if you think there are blockers in your lives to do with money or sex or power. God's bigger than all of those things. He can deal with crap. Forgive me for swearing if you think that's a swear word. In my country, it's not. God can deal with all of these things. In fact, some of you are worried that I've just used potentially a swear word, but you know what? I think we should be much more worried about what does God want to do in our lives? Right here, right now, tonight. So in a minute, I'm going to stop withering on. I think Johnny at the back is going to put on a piece of music. It's called Come Alive by Lauren Daigle, if you want to know. Um, but it would be fair to say that my wife and I, we're addicted to Lauren Daigle at the moment, aren't we? Her music, and in fact... <laughs> Again, subversive. Uh, we do secretly, not secretly, we, do, we play at full volume, don't we, in my assemblies and in the classrooms? So we're just preaching through the back door, but don't go telling anyone. Um, we are converting our children to hear these words. Come alive, but I want to say tonight, come alive. Come alive. Let God's Spirit breathe through you tonight. Either hear from God for yourself or hear from God to share with somebody else and uplift and build and edify Or challenge or admonish. This is a safe place. This is holy ground. God is good. He is here. He's here to help. He's not here to make us feel guilty or bad. He's here to change lives. Unless you don't want to have your life changed. Unless you don't care about anybody else's life changed. I'm being a little bit tongue-in-cheek here, aren't I? But come on, guys. Let's trust and believe and be expectant that God might actually want to do something. So, Johnny, if you're happy to just start playing that music, I'm going to say, you can listen to these lyrics if you want, but actually some of you don't need to hear the lyrics. I think some of you already are probably feeling, Mark, shut up so I can just hear God. You don't have to get out of your seat, but somehow standing and making a response makes a difference. You can either stand or you can kneel or you can put your hands in the air, but a physical demonstration, who else knows, doesn't matter. Who cares? Nobody's interested in the person beside you. You should only be interested in yourself. What is God saying to you right now? What does he want to do with you right now? And I am desperately keen. I am desperately keen to lay my hands on you, to release a little bit more of God's Spirit on you whether that enables you to hear God and how good He is, or whether that's to bring out a gifting on you, or to share something for somebody else. But be expectant, because God is God, and God is good, and God is big, and God can cope. Is that right? Right. Come alive. Jesus, I'm going to end now, and I'm just saying, God, we give you permission. I give you permission. I give you permission to invade my life, to speak to my heart, to challenge me. I know you love me. I know I still listen to the lies. I know I still get things wrong, and yet somehow you still choose to use me.